0: Hook em up with E and Rod P brought to you by Bud Light on the horn. Hook
1: them up. Indeed. It is a Wednesday edition. Six September NFL season opens tomorrow night. There's a uh, major news involving Travis Kelsey. Good news, bad news for the chiefs hall of fame to be tight end. We'll get you details on that coming up. Also, uh, the other big conversations of Wednesday morning. Now it's just like uh, you get a little itchy, Rod. You've got to see a weekend of football. You can make some snap judgments, mm-hmm. but always, always caution. Don't don't make too much good or bad out of what you saw week one. It always changes. Uh, I think you can you can leave week one of college football, Rod, thinking okay, Florida State's pretty damn good. Florida State's yeah. pretty damn good. I agree.
2: Um, Pretty complete team. Uh, Colorado is definitely do- going to be the most interesting team to start yes. out the college football season, especially since they got Nebraska and they got USC early too. In the USC, like in two weeks for them. Uh, Two or three weeks. They, they got do. USC. Yeah, they have
1: Nebraska. They and play USC. You know USC that's going to be a national televised oh, game, huge game. So they got to game. have
2: three nationally televised games in the first month of the season, and that's good for everybody, right? <laughs> was the last Dion... time Colorado football had three? Well, national... and by the tuning... way, they were the only spring game to be nationally televised. So technically, they there would be there will be four of them.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because that's why it was such a mystery about Colorado is you know, everybody you saw in that spring game that was nationally televised, they're not on the roster anymore. Yeah, exactly. They're all gone. Deion <laughs> why, told them to so beat it. Why'd
2: they tell the spring game? I don't know.
1: Because <laughs> right? of Because of They want
2: to watch Dion pretty well, much. Well, that
1: becomes a question, and it's interesting because that, that Colorado TCU game was on again. Fox Sports, of course, replayed it yesterday, last night, and I was watching mm, it. It's a great game, And too. because we were doing our pregame show, and it was on at the Mockingbird Saloon, so and I was really racing. Watch it, watch it. TCU was awful in that game. I, mean, I don't want to take anything <laughs> away from Shadur Sanders, and uh, he may have had the best quarterback performance of the weekend. He was electric. Then was that that? Really? But TCU Are was both just, sides
2: of the ball. Yeah, they just they missed, they missed a
1: million tackles. I mean, they were just out of position. Oh, I had a stat
2: about that actually. They
1: were—they uh, were just. I I think they took Colorado lightly. I think Sonny Dykes, who was popping off that, you know, they were mm-hmm. doing to teach him a lesson. Teach him a lesson. I don't think his team was ready to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, they certainly had no. Um, but the, the fundamental. I mean, or or they're just bad this year. I don't, or they're going to go from the national championship game to the,
2: because that could be just bad this year. Well, I told eight. y'all
1: five wins. Yeah, no, A lot kind
2: of, of people thought they would drop off.
1: Well, and and I understand that, that Colorado came out playing on fire hey. and played them off their feet. You at, hear that pregame speech from Dean? But but you got to know the game plan against them <laughs> well, this yeah. year. At Colorado is to run right at them, like they're they're still with all the skill players with how great and transcendent Travis Hunter may be. And Shador Sanders and all these dudes, four thousand four hundred yard receivers. Yeah, four hundred. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Do you on your home field? I don't care how talented they are. You can't give up four one hundred yard receivers and a five
2: hundred yard passing. I am with you on There's that. There is a
1: lot of that. Rod, you are a defensive guy. Yeah, There's
2: a lot of that's on you. That's on and that's on coaching too. It's like, come on, and by the way, to your point about the missed tackles, you were right. The Buffs for us, according to Pro Football Focus, eighteen missed oh. tackles. Uh, fifty-two over fifty-two percent of all the uh, receiving yards Colorado got were after the catch it was so bad they were just running free through the secondary
1: and again i i know it's the top story and it was a dazzling performance but you also have to consider tcu was i don't know man they weren't prepared they certainly weren't prepared out colorado was and it was still 45 42 uh, that's why i wonder because yeah. i still believe you can run right at colorado i think Dion knows that too and you, you they're gonna have a hard time running the ball themselves because their offensive and defensive lines just aren't there yet, as you said, you can get skill players in the portal. You can, you can load up, and Dion did. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no question. But it's it's you know, where, where's Texas going right now? Right there, building the lines of scrimmage, offensive and defensive lines, and you know that's that's still going to be a problem, I think, for Colorado, big picture, mm-hmm. especially in a game this week, right, with a team like Nebraska, who's big and physical, they can't run with with Colorado speed wise. And then, as you said, USC down the road, and boy, I don't, I don't know what to make of TCU. Because that was, I mean, that was, I haven't watched it. I wish I might
2: have to go back and try to find if I can find the game somewhere and watch it. Well, it was
1: spectacular to watch Shadour Sanders because, look, he knows he's going to get hit in these games, Rod, because the the offensive line isn't great at Colorado. So he's got to work around that and get the ball out of his hand quickly and make quick decisions. You realize this for Colorado, and this is another credit to Deion Sanders. They had, Rod, they had two penalties. Two penalties. That's it? And they had zero turnovers. So again, wow. it's almost like TCU was on their heels and didn't force anything, but two penalties. That's and amazing. That's well, That's,
2: that's discipline.
1: That's huge credit to how well coached they were. Yeah. Uh, and look, they have a really good coaching staff. Deion Sanders has Mike Zimmer calling his defense. He's I got mean, NFL coaches <laughs> on that staff. Mike stat. Zimmer.
2: Yeah. He's Mike Simmers is
1: DC? Yes. Yeah. No,
2: he's got NFL. He's got like four. He's got like three or four former How NFL coaches that? on the staff. Yeah, no, he built a staff. Yeah, bro. Tim Brewster's on that staff recruiting for him, too. Yeah. He's... Tim Bruce recruited Chris Sims, V.Y. Oh, that dude's a recruiting mercenary. He man. is. And, and <laughs> so there's.
1: it's still about players, though. And they showed they have elite skill players. They're so dang good on the outsides, but tc has got to be better. To,
2: to your point, E, uh, Shadir Sanders was asked about what's the major difference between. The F, uh, FCS level and, you know, the level he's playing at now at the Power 5 level. Interesting. Just the point you brought up, here's what Shadir Sanders said the difference was. Sure. Nah. <laughs>
1: Not, nothing really. The only, I'll say the only difference between FCS and this level is the D-line get off blocks if you try to scramble up faster. That's it. Everything else, you got good players, you got good DBs, good receivers, everything like that. You just have more of those on the the field at once. You got to think, everybody on the field ain't going first round. A lot of people on the field may not get drafted. Hmm. So don't let people fear names. I don't fear names because I really don't care. But that's the biggest thing. When you fear names and, and you let, that's half the battle. You already losing, dang, we playing TCU. I respect the university. I respect everything about them, but personally, I just never cared about names.
2: Yeah, so he said to your point, E. The biggest difference he says the D line, and he knows I'm gonna get a hit because he D lineman. And they can they can go. They can get off blocks quicker. They're more athletic. I'll get hit, but I'm gonna get rid of the football before I get hit. And yeah. that quick passing game. That OC, that O C there, by the way. He's already made a name for himself, too. Sure, yes.
1: And Shadur yeah. Sanders was, was on point. He's going to play at the next level. He's an elite player. But, again, uh, if, you're, if you're TCU, I just think TCU panicked a little. They, they realized they, they were up against something they maybe weren't prepared for. Cocky. And, I mean, the, the game was close, right? The game was never a blowout. Yeah. And they rushed for – they ran the ball, TCU, for seven yards a carry. Yet they threw it seven more times than they ran it.
2: Yeah, why? The why heck? are
1: you getting a shootout with this team?
2: Yeah, why don't you just play keep away? Yeah. Especially with the new rules, just play keep
1: away. They're not stopping your run game, so just pound the. I mean, I didn't know that's terrible. Yeah, Colorado, yeah. Colorado only ran for fifty five yards.
2: And you know what? You know who that song? That, Bryles. that's on? Kendall Briles. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Kendall Bryles. That's Kendall a little pass were,
1: happy. TCU ran the ball for two hundred and sixty two yards. They could have run for three hundred and fifty yards, if it, but you know, then want to be balanced. Maybe balance run.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, uh,
1: again, that again, it's nothing against Colorado. It's just TCU. Uh, you, either they're really bad, or they just had a really, really bad game plan and day.
2: Yeah, Man, that's a bad. It's it a bad day to have a bad game plan and <laughs> to play your one of your worst games you played. That's where
1: I just don't know what the ceiling is now for Colorado. Are they a? Six-win team, big picture. Are they an eight-win team? Are they, uh, are they still going to struggle because their lines of scrimmage will get exposed and teams will get more and more film on them? No matter what happens, it's already a massive story, and oh, Deion Sanders shit. has already won in a big way. Exactly.
2: Yeah, mission accomplished because we're accomplished. talking about Colorado now. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. If they
0: whoop Nebraska this week, oh. if they win by three-plus touchdowns, I think we'll have a better idea of how good they are. Well, and that'll be a good season. matchup
1: because now Matt Rule has, you know, they had an extra, they have extra time mm-hmm. off because they played last Thursday and blew that yeah. game against Minnesota. You have the film now that you can watch and prepare, and then how do they attack them? Because you're right. If because if, I, I, I I expect Colorado to be well prepared and ready to go. Oh yeah. Um, but it, that, that that's now again another must see television game involving Colorado. Hey, let's get to the other headlines over the morning. Then we're going to get a Rod's rant to uh, get our Wednesday underway. Let's hit it. Top Gun Equipment Rentals bring you the news. We're going to start with uh, the Longhorns, of course. They dropped a couple of spots. Actually, stayed where they were in the AP Top 25 poll yesterday, number 11. Two teams jumped ahead of them into the top 10. Uh, That was Tennessee and Notre Dame. So Longhorns still number 11. This week's opponent, Alabama, they moved up to number 3, behind only Georgia and Michigan. Florida State and Ohio State round out the top 5 in the Big 12. K-State moved up to 15. Oklahoma's up to 18. TCU and Texas Tech are out of the top 25. A&M at 23 ahead of their trip to Miami this week. Longhorns, of course, continue to prep for that big matchup at Tuscaloosa. On Monday, head coach Steve Sarkeesian said his team has a clean bill of health coming out of week one. That included the good news of freshman back C.J. Baxter back practicing in Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa yesterday. Not as much for Alabama head coach Nick Saban. He provided an update on a pair of his starting defensive backs, the nickel corner Malachi Moore and free safety Jalen
3: King. Uh, they're both day to day. So it's probably too early to tell uh, what their circumstance will be. Probably be a couple days and we figure it out. But um, I don't think either guy has long term issues. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they progress this week.
1: Well, looks like game time decisions there. Kansas City NFL Chiefs, all pro tight end Travis Kelsey. Suffered a hyperextended knee during practice yesterday. Non-contact just uh, landed wrong. ESPN's Adam Schefter reporting this morning that the Chiefs believe the future Hall of Famer's ACL is intact. Knee is structurally sound, but there is swelling and inflammation. Team will test it again today to determine his availability for tomorrow night's Season opener with the Detroit Lions. Major League Baseball, Houston Astros have flexed Go, in their first two games of the showdown series with the Texas Rangers. They pounded out a 13-6 win in game one on Monday. Last night, the barrage continued in Arlington. Uh, the Astros crushed the hosts 14-1 following his four-hit two-homer game on Labor Day. Astros All-Star Jose Altuve proceeded to crush home runs in each of his first three-hit bats last night. Solo shot to lead off the game, another in the second inning, and how about one more time in the third?
0: 14th tonight. And now he sends one to center field. That'll send Tavares back. Could it be four in a row? Four in a row for Altube. Five and six at bats The legend continues to grow.
1: And that's because here's Todd Callas on AT&T Sports and Haltube did Homer in his final at-bat on Monday. Three to start it. He becomes just the fourth player in MLB history to Homer three times through three innings. He joins Manny Machado, Mike Cameron, and Carl Reynolds in 1930. More importantly, Houston now in sole possession of first place in the AL West. First time this season they've been there. Uh, Seattle lost in Cincinnati. Astros two games up on the Rangers. Tonight is the series finale. Last time the Rangers and Astros will meet in the regular season. Doozy of a pitching matchup, too. Max Scherzer versus Justin Verlander. Also last night in baseball, Round Rock dropped their series opener in El Paso 9-5. And Yankee slugger Giancarlo Stanton in the Bronx hit his 400th home run of his career in a win over the Twins. He reached the milestone in the fourth fewest games all time behind Babe Ruth, Mark McGuire, Alex Rodriguez, and Albert Pujols.
3: Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to a hundred dollars off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero turn mowers in stock this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight.
1: All right, Rod, before we dive into your rant, can I mention one thing? Full oh, shizzle. Because we said we'll be at the Field House at the Crossover on Saturday. We want everybody to come out and uh, be a part wait. of the biggest watch party in town. Mm-hmm. Biggest watch party you're going to find. It's in Cedar Park, but uh, a lot of you live out that way. So come on out and join us. Uh, the big movie theater screen up on the stage, indoor-outdoor activities for your kids. And it's all brought to you by our great friends at Bud Light. Of course, Bud Light and Michelob Ultra. We're going to have great specials. I want to run those down for you real quick, Rod, when you're coming out to the game uh, on Saturday, and, and watching the two thirty games, and get ready for the six o'clock kick uh, at uh, at the Field House. They're going to have. $16 pitchers of Michelob Ultra, $18 buckets of Bud Light for five beers for $18. What a great deal that is. Those great burnt orange cans plus the pitchers of Michelob Ultra at 16 bucks. So come on out and all se- all football season long, make Bud Light your choice. Uh, the official domestic beer partner of your Texas Longhorns, the Texas Texas, and that Texas OU game, which is now about a month away. Mm-hmm. Texas OU game coming uh, in early October. All brought to you by our great friends at Bud Light. Brewed by Texans for Texans right here deep in the heart and dang
2: proud of it. Rod Baber, it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful, can't wait. It's going to be huge. Um, That place is huge, but the game is going to be huge too. (laughs) The occasion. Are you getting nervous? You Uh, get nervous for
1: games as a former player.
2: um, Yeah, I get a little nervous. Anxious. I'm. you know, I by the game time I'm more optimistic and I'll feel better about Texas. As, as I get closer to the game, I feel better. The more research I do, the more film I watch, I feel better about Texas' chances in the Ooh, game. Ooh, I like hearing that. Yeah. Well, I, cause I Bama this this Bama team is different. Listen, we know Nick Saban. He doesn't lose often in Tuscaloosa in non conference. That just doesn't happen a lot. Uh doesn't lose their period a lot, but <laughs> especially in non conference. Um but this is this is not the same Bama team that we've you know, we've grown accustomed to in recent years that has you know NFL first rounders all throughout the roster at skill positions and on the on the O line, right? That this is not when Sark was there and you had four five that's first rounders on that team. It's not. They have good players. They're still loaded with a lot of talent. Well, of that's, course, that's
1: something I noticed, Rod, and you but just pointed it it's out. Not, it's
2: not elite NFL draft talent. It's just it's it's, it's loaded with a lot of talent. Sure. Texas has better skill talent now, NFL draftable skill talent on offense than Bama does right now. I just think it's interesting that uh, you say that because I was looking at some you – know, you look at the you know, Todd McShay
1: and, you know, my friend Dane Brugler with the yeah. Athletic, and they've got their early mock drafts, yep. and that, which are, you know, just they have the, their top 50 players and pro football focus. You know, normally you're used to seeing, like last year, Bryce Young and, and Will Anderson oh, were top three. All over
2: that. damn thing. Jameer Gibbs. And Jameer Gibbs. Over that yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, this year they don't they're, – they're, they have a mm-hmm. couple guys. They,
0: you know, the, the receiver. Who's their best player? Who's that? On either side of the ball.
2: For Alabama? Because right
0: last now? year, we could say Will Anderson. Well, Will Anderson and, and Dallas the best Turner. Young are two of the best Dallas in the
2: Turner's a good player for him. He's an edge rusher for them.
0: They don't have a guy that's like. That's boom, what I'm saying. Like they that's don't, the guy.
2: They don't have a he is him yeah. guy. Yeah. Okay. They don't have that this year. That's a better way of describing it uh, to the younger generation. They don't have he is him. They none of those on either side Unless of the
1: ball. A guy like Jalen Milrow develops into a player he that he be. wasn't last year. But remember, he was thrust into a situation last year where Bryce Young got hurt, and all of a sudden he's up, he's out there. Uh, no, he's had in a whole lot. Of time. But you're right. I, you just look at the. This is from you know unbiased draft analysts going. Yeah, you know, the 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 the, uh, the top receiver that they have. Uh, is like a the you know a first round pick? Kool Aid McKinstry, the corner. Kool Aid McKinstry is projected their best as a, as a yeah. corner that could be a first round pick. But you're right, I mean, we're used to having six, seven, eight guys. Yeah. that are loading up there. And Texas, for the first time in a long time, kind of equal them. They've got guys that people look at and say, well, Xavier Worthy can be a first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. AD Mitchell, JT, JT Sanders, Sanders. Kelvin Banks, when his time comes, will be when he's able, will be a first round draft Jalen pick.
2: Jalen is gonna be an early Jalen round. Ford, pick. Not, maybe not the first, but the early round.
1: Which is yeah, but at that point, Rod, it comes down to coaching, execution, game plan, and quarterback play. With that in mind, let's dive into Rod's rant of a Wednesday.
3: I'm as mad as hell and I'm not gonna take this anymore. Find
2: out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real.
3: You ain't keeping it real. My God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Well, oh,
0: you've got do it now. It's time for Rod's oh. rant of the day. Hold on to your butt. All
2: right, now, we talked about the Alabama offense last, uh, or at least in the, we went behind the burn orange curtain, we talked about Jalen Mill and the running game. Um, so I want to talk about the Alabama defense for a little while. I went and watched that Middle Tennessee uh, State game and um, tried to – you know, gather as much information and data as I could from it. One of the things that I found that Middle Tennessee State did, you guys are probably going to think that I sound like a broken record here because I went over this yesterday, but I was talking about how Rice had a lot of success using this concept versus Texas uh, using empty formation. It was the only thing that worked because they, they completed like 85% of their passes <laughs> versus <laughs> Texas out of empty. Their only touchdown for Rice came out of empty formation. Oh, well, they, that was
1: a great catch by McCaffrey. It was a really good catch. He got hit
2: McCaffrey. hard. Yeah. I, I, he actually ended up – I thought they dislodged the ball at first, but he ended up having I mean, crossing the plane already. Uh, so Rice – the only thing that they could, they could have success with, the only thing that they were able to consistently move the ball uh, with was the empty formation. That was the, the concept that they used uh, against Texas. Well, Middle Tennessee State did the same thing against Alabama. Uh, they completed over 76% of their passes versus Bama. It was the only thing that really worked versus Bama. Um, they actually – how about this? Middle Tennessee State had 13 first downs in the game. 8 of them came out of empty formation. <laughs> they uh and they also did a lot of empty reload. That's when you start out in empty with nobody in the backfield and then you motion or shift someone back into the backfield and that's just it's empty and then you reload. Uh that's good too and by the way that was a lot of middle Tennessee using reload which essentially will force the defense to show their hand because there is no pre-snap shell disguise when you're being presented with empty as a defense, you have to get to your alignment assignment right away because you're, you're stressed. All right. To the nth degree. So you got to get to your alignment assignment. Nobody's trying to rotate safeties and nobody's trying to uh, use a pre-snap uh, shell disguise when there's empty. But once the defense shows you what they're doing, then you reload and put someone in the backfield. And then you have an idea about exactly what coverage they're running pre-snap. So that's a lot of reason why you'll see teams reload the empty.
1: What's that's your what's your
2: sense on Sark here? Because you know, last
1: year at home with the home crowd, he came out guns blazing, right? Full bore. And that's when Texas went up and down the field and Quinn Ewers was looking like a like an all-star. Yes. And then he got hurt. and then Hudson Card came in, and so the game plan changed a little bit, and then Hudson got hurt. So it really, I think, limited the playbook that Sark had. But let's just let's just hypothetically say no injury to quarterback this time. How aggressive do you think Sark is in this game, and how aggressive should he be with that game plan? Should he pick up where he left off and just get after it, or should they be a little bit more cautionary in your mind on the road?
2: Um, well, I, I honestly, kind of goes back to what I'm talking about, about empty. I think yep. you, you need to have that philosophy because empty forces you to get rid of the football. Yep. All right, speeds up the clock, cleans up the picture for the quarterback. Like I said, no pre-snap show discussed. so You've got a clear picture, pre-snap, for your quarterback. Uh, usually teams are not going to twist and stunt. All right? They're not going to twist and stunt or use simulated pressures and amoeba fronts against empty. Why? Because they can't get home. Yeah. It's a waste of time. The ball's coming out really fast. So if you want to twist and stunt, go right ahead. You want to use simulated pressures, go right ahead against empty because the ball will be out way before then. And remember, I got obsessed with this because I uh, told you guys about this after the bowl game. Right, I said, the bowl game, one thing that stood out to me was, man, Sark used empty formation, and it it was something that worked really well for Quinn Ewers because Quinn Ewers, what we want him to do is get the ball out of his hands quicker, use the short to intermediate game. Nobody's throwing deep downfield out of empty. You're going short to intermediate game and getting the ball out. Quinn Ewers in the bowl game, 87% completion percentage out of empty. It was his best game of the season out of empty formation. And if you go look at it th- throughout the season, I went and looked at it and gathered Quinn Ewers in empty formation last season. The completion percentage, not very high. It's just uh, just around 61%. That's not high. But if you look at first down rate, the obviously the uh, rate of uh, first downs that are converted – When you throw the ball in the empty formation, you were at 36%. Your first down uh, rate and slash touchdown rate, combine them both, you were at 40-plus percent. So it works really well. We know it works because, hell, Middle Tennessee, it was the only thing that they could do with that talent divide – to help them move the ball against Bama. Bama really couldn't even figure it out, even though Bama likes to run it. and They really couldn't really figure it out. As I've said, I think it stresses the defense more than any other formation. I would love to see Texas use a ton of empty formation versus Bama. It worked for Middle Tennessee. I think it'll work for Texas, too, in this matchup.
1: Well, and one of the things I could foresee, Rod, and who knows? And by the way, as I said, I somebody texted and said, "Have the quarter, have Quinn yours, put on extra shoulder padding." Seems like Bama hurts our shoulders to our quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I said, I said, regardless of well, the last two games against Alabama, Texas lost their quarterback in the first (laughs) quarter. Is why Texas fans have a little, you know, PTSD from that because Quinn got hurt last year, and of course, uh, Colton, the national title, Colton,
2: and then I believe the Quinn one was a play action pass. Yeah, where he kind of turned. I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, he got. He it was Dallas Turner that drove he him was into the Dallas ground. Dallas. <laughs> drove him he into was, the ground. Yeah. Well, so um, I love what you say there about Quinn. I, I agree with you 100. Quick throws that clear the picture for him. Yes. That's and that's important for any quarterback, certainly for this quarterback. Because mm-hmm. until he proves he can go through progressions against a, against a murky murky picture. And not, uh, you know, this look like he's a little bit lost there. We we need to see that. But you know, what if what if think about this scenario, Rod, where you come out in you know one running back and, and Jake Tavian Sanders. What's that? 11, 11, 11 personnel, personnel mm-hmm. and then go to the spread out of that, right? With one of oh, your yeah. running backs that's Hold a up. dynamic receiver, and then you go tempo. That's what I'm saying. Like then you go go quick, and then you could always you know if you get a convert a first down. Now you can tighten up a little bit,
2: bring JT Sanders back in line and run the oh, ball. It's a great, and then go again. It's a great point. E. And it's a great way, since we know they got injuries in the secondary, right? Yes. They got a nickel that's hurt. Was it Malachi Moore? And they got a safety. Uh, Jaden King that's hurt. They're gonna be day to day. I imagine one of them will end up playing, if not both of them. Those are two seniors. They're se- exactly, right? Exactly. You're talking veteran about veteran players. Air traffic controllers back there who are making audibles, part of the communication center uh back there for Alabama. And I think you need to attack that. So if they if they are playing, that means they're not a 100%. They're already dinged up. all right. And if they aren't going to play, that means you got a backup in there who are in who are basically playing for seniors. All right, You talk about seniors guys who are veterans who probably are not as experienced and are not as savvy as those veterans are. So I would attack them early. And a great way to do it is, like you said, you go 11 personnel, one back, one tight end. You put the, the tight end and the running back out at what they call the number one spot. That is, you count from the sideline in when you count receivers. So the number one receiver, so the ones that are the closest to the sideline, and then you put your your best featured guys, your X-Men, your A.D. Mitchell, your your J. Witt, put them inside. And then you're attacking safeties, linebackers, and nickels. And if they want to move their corners inside, great. Move your corners inside. That's cool because I need to know that. If you're going to move Kool-Aid McKinstry inside and have him shadow X-Men and have them shadow other guys, that's also good because it it takes them out of their comfort zone because now Kool-Aid McKinstry, he's in the slot with X-Men, with a two-way go, I'll take that because that helps us. And also, I need to know if your corners are going to travel. That's great. That means I can find matchups elsewhere with JT Sanders. Move him around. He's going to have a linebacker on him or a safety on him. So either way, it's going to clean up the picture and allow you to manipulate matchups. What that's we- what you want to do.
1: One other good news note from Texas: Our friend uh, Justin Wells over at Inside Texas reporting that Cole Hudson was back running with the ones yesterday. He didn't play in game one. Uh, also, AJ DJ Campbell is is healthy and ready to go, so they'll they'll have Cole Hudson back. Offensive line looks healthy. CJ Baxter continues to practice. So already make how many changes
2: have we made on the other line already?
1: Well, you wonder.
2: Well, <laughs> they, I, made, I, they I, made two already.
1: Well, they, I, right? I think Cole Hudson would have played last week had he been fully healthy. They wanted to make sure he was healthy, yeah. so that's why DJ Campbell got the start. Well, but uh, with well, DJ expect, Campbell, they made a move though. Yeah. They did. They, they
2: did. That's what I'm saying. Like, they've already – we've got game one, we're already making moves. It's good, though, because you're trying to troubleshoot and find out which one and, – and, and I was talking to Coach Brian Earn about this yesterday. He made a re- really good point. Offensive lines struggle early in the season. Yes. Just because they're all about that unspoken, nonverbal communication. Everybody has to be on the same page, seeing the same thing. They work as a unit more than any other group, which is why oftentimes they're playing their best football at the end of the season after they've gotten continuity and chemistry together. Um, so he said that's when – he said so early on, struggles on the offense line is nothing new at every level of football, but you want to make sure you're getting better. You don't want the same issues to persist and exist all throughout the season. Um, but if, if that's the case, and I agree with Coach, I think that is the case, uh, I would attack that Bama O-line then early on because they're they're going to have some same issues that Texas had. They gave up some sacks to Middle Tennessee because Middle Tennessee had pressure packages and, and blitzed Jalen Monroe. You know what? If all o line struggle early on because they got a freshman playing left tackle too, you know what? Let's test it. Let's do our own twists. Well, use our strength against. uh yeah. <laughs> that's our
1: strength right now. Is D line. Yeah, when that's, I say we, that's their. That yeah. has to be where they're thinking. Our strength is this group and Jalen. Let's be extremely. Let's force the issue. Yeah, that's, and I we agree. like our secondary too against a, a group of receivers that that aren't Jerry, Judy, and Henry Ruggs and Jalen Wallers. We'll come back. Uh, There's Rod's rant. Good stuff right there. Go empty and then go tempo. Uh, Good game plan for the Longhorns. Get the ball out of Quinn's hands. We come back and keep him upright, by the way. We come back. We'll pick up these conversations, plus maybe good news coming out this morning on Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. And we'll follow up that TCU Colorado conversation and hear from one of the leaders of the TCU defense who called his team a laughing stock on Saturday. We'll hear that coming back on E E and Rod B. All right, good stuff with Rod and the Rod's rant. That was a highlight from Saturday's game. The first touchdown of the game for the Longhorns. They scored four mm-hmm. touchdowns in the day, kicked some field goals, and uh, thirty-seven to ten was the final. Uh, Longhorns defensively dominated, no doubt. And uh, Rod just kind of gave you the offensive game plan. A lot of a lot of uh, empty formation could be a way to attack mm-hmm. this. Because I, I agree with you this point, Rod. You don't. This team right now doesn't want to try to line up and. Run right at Alabama. Uh, yeah. That's going to put you in bad down and distance, in my mind. I think they'll gobble that up at this point. Yep. And you said earlier you don't think either team's going to be very successful running the football. Not
2: traditional run game. it would be a non-traditional. I think for Texas, you know, the extension of the run game, the really the pass, the short passing game should be your long handoffs. I think in this game with Alabama, agree. I think that could end up happening, but that also would help Quinn out. Short throws. The Texas has yours has better footwork on quick throws. Yeah, because he's confident. He knows he can make those quick throws. He knows even if his footwork and mechanics aren't right, his arm talent is so spectacular. Quick and intermediate throws, he can do them effortlessly. Like it, it takes him, it takes nothing. I think he throws them with confidence. So I think, I think but listening
1: deep, to your, your, but deep
2: balls, he knows he's not good at that, and he know he, he throws them like he's insecure. <laughs> right.
1: Well, the, your football theorist. Uh, if I'm Sark and listening to you, it's uh, it's it's my favorite baseball movie. One of my favorite movies is Bull Durham. Right. Oh yeah. It's kind of like Nuke <laughs> Don't think, meat. Just throw. Exactly. Don't think. Yes. Just throw. Yes, you, great point. You can only hurt the ball club, is what he says. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think. And, and this is what you want from Quinn. Not mm-hmm. thinking. Just reacting. Use the arm. Get the ball out quick. Uh, the more he thinks about it, it's like Nuke Lelouch, the more it may go or Ryan hit the bull.
2: That's a great point because now he's thinking about it. He knows yeah. he's, he's thinking about it. Now we ask him about it all the time, and it's a big yeah, topic. Don't he, think. Sark, yesterday we played the audio. He doesn't want to talk about it anymore either because I think he knows it's also in his quarterback's head. So I'm with you on that. And maybe um, something else we talked about, maybe not uh, Maybe not so many deep throws outside the numbers. Maybe try some of the post routes or slot fades.
1: Yes, where you Which, don't have to judge the sidelines, yes. right? Just go right at this, just, just, uh, the, the post, right? The you're post looking at the routes, middle of the goal post, and you're letting you know, it loose.
2: Post corner route, you know what I mean? Just yeah. They're deep balls, but it's not your traditional nine route down the sideline, and I think he has trouble, you know, throwing kind of gauging that sideline.
1: I also right think there. that, uh, remember when the – the internet sensation became Quinn throwing them bombs. That was a post route to Isaiah Nair in the spring game. Exactly, That was a post <laughs> route, a post route. <laughs> and he hit it right yeah. on the money. Yeah. All right, I wanted to play this for you because uh, we point. talked off the top of the hour about you know the Colorado sensation, and I had to add to the to the conversation that TCU was awful in that game. As great yeah. and as sensational as Just Colorado was, and let's listen to uh, one of the captains of the TCU team, Dylan, uh, Johnny Hodges, their middle linebacker. Uh, Here's what he had to say yesterday when asked and pressed about his team's performance on Saturday at home.
0: There it is. There it is. We're the
1: laughing stock. We made Damn. our defensive coordinator look bad. How about that, right? He went to bat for his DC because D.C. is was
2: great last year. Yeah, everybody well, was talking about how awesome at defense. Well, was. you missed
1: twenty-eight, so you counted eight or PFF counted eighteen I, PFF missed tackles. Is
2: eighteen. He has twenty-two, so I guess they got their own count too. Coaches. That's a lot. Everybody's definition of a, definition of a missed tackle is different.
1: Well, in so many of those plays that went to the house, that because Shadur Sanders. With 500 yards passing, didn't have a lot of air yards on a lot of those passes. It was just as you said, the extension of the run game, right? It was. Oh yeah. Get the ball out of his hands in space. Well, you can tackle that. <laughs> you can you can make a tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU was awful, uh, yeah. awful in that game.
2: And there's their one of their captains conceding the fact. He's a Midian man, and it. Hey, you got to start from the the truth, right? You got to start from what, what was the reality of what happened out there. Yeah, and you said it. It was embarrassing out there. And even you know, and everybody's got to own that. The strength and conditioning staff, the coaches, the players, everybody's got to own that.
1: i play something for you as we're talking Texas-Bama. I wanted to let, because uh, we get our perspective from the local level, but uh, every once in a while, good to get the national perspective. Here's uh, from uh, one of the ESPN shows yesterday, Mike Greenberg asking Paul Feinbaum, essentially, and you'll I think you'll hear the question, is Alabama on upset alert Saturday in Tuscaloosa? Here's some, uh, some Paul Feinbaum thought on this game Saturday.
0: Paul is the coach on upside alert this week, taking on Texas. Absolutely, and you you have to you have to say that Greeny because of the circumstances. Alabama established a starting quarterback against Middle Tennessee, Jalen Milrow, but we don't know what he's going to be like against a, a, a legitimate team like Texas, and Texas has. Really outstanding players across the board. Sarkeesian has gone to the portal. He's he's won in recruiting, and this is a this is a major test for Nick Saban. So much is on the line. I'm not talking about legacy. I'm just talking about current status in the game.
1: There you go. Uh, Paul Feynman putting Nick Saban and Alabama on upset alert at seven and a half point favorites in this game. Mm,
2: yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if Texas won the game. Like, I, so I know it's not a, it's a it's an upset technically, but. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas wins. You think they're the pretty game. even, and that's why. Yeah, they're, yeah.
1: I, I, I made some wagers actually at a fantasy football draft on Sunday night. Uh, don't tell anybody uh, with some of my guys because I said I'm going to take the points. I'll take seven and a half. he me one guy gave me eight. and I said I'll take it.
2: I'll take that too. I'll yeah, take it. I, I, I just it. think
1: it's going to be more. I think this game's going to be more like what we saw last year, and Texas could win or lose that game. But and they've shown they don't have a, a you know killer instinct in fourth quarters. But uh, and Alabama very well could win. And we also mentioned that the only f- the only five times since 08 that Alabama's lost in that stadium. They were all very close games. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, now they've had some blowouts there, too. They can get it one-sided. I just don't know if this is that team at Alabama that's going to run away from you like some of the uh, uber-talented teams they've had of the past. Uh, Before we get to the top of the hour, Rod, we're going to hit – the the bullish or BS conversations I got maybe mm-hmm. really maybe good news from a family member on Travis Kelsey and not just his overall health for the Kansas City Chiefs but maybe even his ability to play tomorrow night in oh, the season opener. I wouldn't. I would not do that. I, I agree. That's it. well. That's, that's going to be the bullish or BS cat uh, yeah. question. Are you bullish or BS on this rod though? How about how about this? Jose Altuve, Jose Altuve. Uh, if you go back to Monday, he had six at bats. Okay. He went 0 for 2 in his first two at bats on Labor Day. The final four, single home run, single home run. Then he got up last night, first at bat, home run. Second <laughs> at bat, home run. Third at bat, home run. It's wild. So five home runs in a seven at bat span, but seven straight hits. You might want to knock him down, Rangers. Might want to pitch inside at some point. Mm. You got to you got to come in on him, man. You cannot let Jose Altuve. He's on fire, man. Just but everything
2: he's was just flame on. He, he really it's crazy. I can't believe he's that hot.
1: <laughs> just, I don't know that I've ever. I mean, seven I'll, for seven with five home runs. I mean, this is
2: like how does that happen?
1: Well, and you got to put it a little bit on the Rangers. We like talk about TCU. At some point, you got to go up and in. You got to get him off the plate. You got to do something. I mean, yeah, you can't let him some, just keep hanging out some there. Chin music or something. Yes, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, at some point, something's got to come up in his uh, is uh, his, his kitchen.
2: How about this stat for Jose Altuve? He had his three homers before the seven, eight, and nine hitters for the Rangers had their first at bat.
1: Oh yeah, because uh, Valdez <laughs> was mowing them down.
2: How was that possible?
1: Because they what went. What the hell? Because they scored three in the first. Jose <laughs> had led off the game with a homer, but they still scored two more runs in that inning. <laughs> Uh, then they scored three and yeah because he that's he gets a crazy he got to bat stat. three times in three innings that doesn't happen that often that's a
2: crazy baseball. then well, they, they didn't hit three
1: homers yeah well they sent eight men to the plate in the first and second innings wow which means you were coming up with nine and means Jose's coming up at ten right he's your leadoff guy crazy. Uh, and so range and I also think the Rangers own the Ivaldi thing uh, Ranger fans can can tell me where I'm wrong here but I can't I, I have a hard time believing they brought Nathan Ivaldi back for that game without giving him a a minor league tune up right a a, a a
2: warm it up yeah something.
1: It's almost like they, and I don't know this, but it feels like because because you would you wouldn't bring a pitcher back typically without, and I, I I think they I heard one of the broadcasters ask that last night. Have you ever heard of a starting pitcher not making a minor league rehab start to get himself you know sharp? I mean that's what you do that for, right? A, you're, you wouldn't let him back on the minor league mound if he wasn't healthy and you didn't feel like he could he could handle it as far as what his injury was. You're just trying to sharpen him up. You're just trying to sharpen him up and get him, you know, get comfortable back on the mound because he hadn't been there in two months. Uh, They put him back out there in kind of a must-win big game, and he looked like he was rusty. Rod, he looked like he was rusty, so he Mm -hmm. got bombed. He didn't even make it past two innings, and Dane Dunning was in the game. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Is that a panic move by Bruce Bochy because he knows he doesn't have much else at this point? They're kind of out of gas in their pitching staff. I mean, what are they? Four and twenty in their last, or four and sixteen in the last twenty games.
2: Yeah, man, it's Sounds not good. good. Yeah, I and I, yeah, I'm with you on that. And you don't want to be rusty versus this Astros squad right now, because man, their bats are just on fire. They are just rolling right now. Um, so, man, Astros now at the lead in the division.
1: Said that Altuve go to the minors. So I'm, I'm talking about pitchers, by the way. But yes, Altuve did do some. No, he did not. Altuve did not do a minor league rehab assignment. They yeah. just let him hit in the cage and come didn't back
2: out. It. He obviously didn't. But need Michael it.
1: Brantley did. But I'm talking about pitchers. I mean, pitchers. You would normally give them. That's been out for two months. Uh, you would because no- you can do you know side assignments, right? You can pitch bullpens. I get that. Simulated games. But it's not like they just threw them back out there without anything. But at the same time. Uh, he looked he looked rusty, uh, and it showed, and the Astros took advantage of it. They now lead the AL West by one game over Seattle. Seattle's now lost back-to-back games in Cincinnati. Red's doing the, the Astros a favor, and I can't wait for tonight, Rod. I mean, I, you know, tomorrow night is must-see TV on the NFL side. Tonight, when they made these trades, you, you hoped for a matchup like this and a game like this where the Rangers are kind of trying to hang on. Mm-hmm. Max Scherzer v.
2: Justin Verlander. Oh man, Oh pitching duel. I, I, and I, I know it's a fantastic, you know, matchup. But man, I hate pitching duels because there's no low scoring. <laughs> you got two oh, great pitchers. Them. I love them. I know. I know you love them. Like that's like a defensive. And I, I'm mean, in football. I don't mind the kind of defensive, you know, uh, showdown between two great defensive teams. Uh, but man, you gotta expect. You know, it's gonna be low scoring. Won't we'll see some runs on the board.
1: Chicks dig the long ball. Well, that, you might because Verlander got shelled by the Yankees on Friday. Scherzer's been hittable, but and, same, and the Astros are red hot. Rangers they're red hot.
2: hot. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to see him cool down. Uh, how about another stat for Jose Altuve because that's so freaky right now. His five homers in the last two days uh, in those seven innings, that is the shortest span of team innings for a player to hit five home runs in the history of Major League Baseball. There you go. So, that is, is it, so you're right. I, 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 it's is one it, of those it, things it, you <laughs> watch
1: and you think, I don't think I've ever seen that before. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that happen. <laughs> and right. then you realize, oh, yeah, it's never happened. It's never yeah. happened.
2: God, it's amazing. He hit for the cycle, too, not too long ago. Within the last seven games, he hit for the cycle and homered in four consecutive at-bats. The only player to do that was Jimmy Fox in 1933 when he won the Triple Crown. The only player to do that in the same season.
1: And the well, season ain't over with. Jose's now batting three twenty-one on the year. <laughs> And uh, wow. piling up the home runs. And the Astros are now stretching out the season series against the Rangers. They're now 8-3, and 8-4. and 8-4, and four they can, uh, tonight is the final matchup between the Rangers and Astros in the regular season this year. Astros have 8, Rangers have 4, and uh, we'll see what happens tonight. We'll come back. When we do, it's a little bullish or BS. If you're a fantasy football player and have Travis Kelsey, uh, you might get a little bit of good news uh, that you'll hear here from his, uh, his brother Jason Kelsey, who did a radio interview in Philadelphia this morning. We'll get to that coming next. Bullish
0: or BS? Brought to you by the Austin Gamblers.
1: Wednesday on the Horn, and Rod B, Ty Henderson as well. You guys, bullish or BS? There is a fantasy football draft that's gone viral in which uh, the, the the guys in the league let their girlfriends or wives draft their teams for them.
2: Mm. That's not a bad idea. Just for one year, right? Just for one year? Yeah. Yeah. It's a change. way to change it up. You guys been doing this for 15, 20 years. Y'all don't want to change it up and every now and, and then? You can't win either. Don't you get bored with it? Like doing it the same way every year? Yeah. Change it up. Change it up. Yeah. It's like when you do you play Madden. Sometimes you do close-eyes picks. Like, all right, man, just close our eyes. Let's do random picks. Yeah, yeah. You just get to, You've been, we've been playing this game for years. Let's just switch it up and have some fun.
0: My question is we're – were the husbands present? Yes, was yes, they were there, yeah. and uh yeah,
1: no, I like no. that. They were there. Quality
2: time too. Yeah, quality time Little with Q- your spouse. Too. Yeah, man, you know that's Q-T. big time. Your wife feels she's. They delays are into it too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look at them. They're on the computers.
2: <laughs> it. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. They're into it. I love it, dude. Yeah, that's great. That's funny.
1: I'd almost be like, what if what if she did it and then we she won? I'm
2: like, oh, I would never hear the end of that. You would deal. never. That's, oh. that's gonna happen. You know somebody. Someone's gonna win it. Someone's gonna win it. This over. If you, if if she's finished higher than you ever finished in the league, oh, you about to get the business from the crew the whole time. Never oh yeah, man. End. I Never like that. I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on that. Well done.
1: I think that's clever.
2: That is that is very clever. I'm a, I'm a big fan. But it's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> can I? Uh, it can not affect you. Uh, I got one for you. Give it to me. Um, bullish or BS? Uh, Bama has decided to uh, reciprocate uh, the uh, the Texas seating arrangement that they had here when Bama came to uh, to Austin, where yep, yep, yep. CDC likes to sit them up in the sit their band the up in seats, the upper deck, the Bob Uecker seats, the nose like the nose bleeds of the nose bleeds. Uh, well, Bama's going to do that to Texas. They already decided they want to um, they want you know, to the share favor. the favor. Yeah, they want to reciprocate uh, that type of um, gesture. So uh, it, am
1: I bullish or BS on that? I'm yeah. bullish. I mean, it's good for the goose, good for the gander. What would you expect? And they're going to if you've got unless you you've bought other tickets, but the Texas seating, the fan section is going to be up there too.
2: Yes, yeah, and all 5,000 visitor tickets, which includes seats for the band, will be in the upper deck. There yeah. you go. It says. um it says Texas isn't in the SEC just yet, which means the SEC's regulation for tickets for visitors doesn't apply for the Alabama matchup. So it says so the Crimson Tide doesn't have to meet the SEC requirement of at least two thousand visiting tickets located in the lower level of the stadium. And Alabama won't. They yeah. could they could have they could give a courtesy to Texas if they wanted to. They're not doing that.
1: No, not till, not till they join the conference officially.
2: Yeah, uh, Burns says, Greg Byrne says, we are able to reciprocate a similar seating arrangement to what we had last year in Austin. There
1: you go. Hey, <laughs> good go. for the goose. I'm bullish on it too. You had to anticipate when yeah, Texas stuck their band up in the top, like they do, that it's going to be the same when they go back. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I know a ton of folks who are making that trip and are going to be at that game and uh, can't wait to hear the the first hand eyewitness accounts. Bullish or BS on this? Here we go, Rod. This is This Morning this morning on a radio station in Philadelphia WIP the blowtorch there on the upper east coast jason kelsey is do he is the starting center for the philadelphia eagles doing an interview mm-hmm. his weekly conversation with that radio station and obviously they asked about his brother travis kelsey who got hurt in practice yesterday here was the uh, the brotherly account
0: jason how's your brother doing i mean getting banged up this week with his knee in yeah. kansas city how is he
3: I talked to him yesterday, and I've done the same thing. You know, you, you, you just plant or, you know, you do something and your knee hyperextends. Actually, I mean, I'm being truthful, the last time I did this, I was making a bonfire outside, and I, was, <laughs> I thought I thought I was strong enough to kick a piece of wood in half, and I hyperextended my knee and did the same thing, <laughs> bone bruise. Oh, no. So, um, you know.
0: I don't recall you missing me. any time for that.
3: Jason. No, no. It was in the middle of the season, but my knee did swell up. And I was like, man, that was the dumbest thing I've done in a long time. But, <laughs> um, yeah, Trav, this was out on the field. He did uh, – I know he's got some swelling going on. Uh, but as lo- it sounds like as long as they can get that down, yeah, um, you know, he- he's going to have a chance to go. The ligaments and everything are intact structurally. Uh, from what we know right now, uh, his knee's fine. So really, it's about getting that swelling down and then seeing how bruised that bone is. Because you know, if you you guys have ever had those, they can be pretty painful, especially if it's in a spot that's rubbing. Okay, there you go. There's the
1: uh, the brotherly account and says uh, Mm -hmm. uh, so bullish or BS Rod and Ty that he plays tomorrow night. It sounds like he could play if it were a Sunday game, but it's a Thursday game. I say BS. It's stupid. You say BS. Don't yeah, risk so it. It's
2: game one. I mean, you got 16 more games to go after this, and you're a Super Bowl a bus team. Like you can't, you can't just make a playoff run and be satisfied with it. If you don't win the Super Bowl or get there, the season's a disappointment. You save him for that run. No, I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't even, It wouldn't even be a question to me. Nope. You sit. You're good. We lose that game. It's okay. 0 and one. It's okay. We we'll, we'll, we'll recover. It's Kansas City. You
1: do want to get that doing? division. Uh, so so yeah, it ties in talking to somebody in there. Uh, would you play them tomorrow night? Would you risk it? Risk it or biscuit? No. 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 no
0: yeah. Sorry, I guess my, my car is getting painted on down there. So I need to go move it at some point. Oh, nice. Oh, no. we're painting our building. Your lucky car oh. that had a tree fall on it. Uh, yeah, the,
1: the, the building maintenance people are here because they're painting our building run. Wow. They're I painting got, the exterior. The back
0: of my car got hit this weekend, too, when it was parked. You got rear-ended? Yeah, well, it's not bad. I think I pour a little hot water on there, get a suction cup. Get it out. It's not bad. <laughs> cup but. it. Cup it.
1: yeah. Uh. But yeah well, hey, one other. Wow. B- bullish or BS? Says here, we know Bijan John Robinson is the offensive rookie of the year. Odds favorite, plus 250 in mm-hmm. the MGM Grand. Bryce Young is second. Defensive rookie of the year. Odds favorite is Will Anderson of the Houston Texans, plus 400. You bullish or BS on that, Rod?
2: Uh, I, right now I'm bullish on it because, uh, they need to, need to get return on that investment to all the draft capital they spent to get up, to get up there to draft Will Anderson. So if he ends up winning defensive rookie of the year, uh, I think a lot of people will say that that trade, the value was worth it. If he doesn't, people will start questioning Nick. Well, if he
1: wins defensive rookie of the year, that draft pick may not be as high as the Arizona Cardinals hope it is. Great point. Because if he's wreaking havoc, I you know, can he bring a pass rush to D'Amico Ryan's defense? Also on the list of defensive rookie of the year favorites, Jalen Carter in Philadelphia, Tyree Wilson, the Texas Tech player who's uh, with the Raiders, Devon Weatherspoon, a cornerback, and Christian Gonzalez. So there you go. Mm. There you go. Bijan Robinson, plus two fifty. I want to throw a nickel on Jameer Gibbs of the Lions. He's a plus seven fifty, Rod.
2: Ben Johnson says he's going to use them unlike anybody's ever imagined. So we'll see what that means. Looking forward to it.
1: NFL season joining the college season, and we are pumped up about it. Uh, Texas remains right at 11 in the AP poll. We'll tell you in our headlines coming up which two teams jumped Texas in the poll this week. Into the top ten. Details coming.